welcome to Faust in Wonderland, where theatrical plays and monologues are devilishly transformed into heavenly radio podcasts. Episode 1, Pyramus and Thisbe from William Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. Date Sachet, your dating courage in a bottle. Let's learn how one North Pole couple discovered the power of date sachet. Chris, look, I found pictures of us when we were young. Let me see. Oh, 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 no. Don't let the elves see those. Do you remember that long Arctic cruise we booked to get to the North Pole? Now that was adventure. Do you remember you fastened me to the side of the sled below decks and my breath fogged up the window? <laughs> and how about when Rudolph got that shiny red nose? <laughs> well, none of that would be possible without date sachet. Date sachet? What's that? No, just one of those little feminine secrets that pushes the species along. Little is right. Is that how we got all those elves? No, no, Chris, we talked about that. The snowman was adorable back then, not abominable. And, well, those elves, they just kept (laughs) a-coming. That's okay, Missy. Thanks to Date Sachet, we're together, watching the sunset on a melting ice shelf and happy that the elves are terrific swimmers. You slay me, Chris. Put an elfish smile on your man's face. Use date sachet for those times when you want your man's pixies to swim upstream. A Midsummer Night's Dream was written in 1595, around the same time Shakespeare whipped up his famous play about two star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet. In Dream, a group of craftspersons, the Mechanicals, fumble their way through a ridiculous performance of Pyramus and Thisbe, a story taken from Ovid's Metamorphosis. The Mechanicals play is widely considered to be Shakespeare's light-hearted and silly mock-up of Romeo and Juliet. Six Athenian tradesmen decide to put on a play called Pyramus and Thisbe for Theseus and Hippolyta's wedding. Pyramus will be played by Bottom the Weaver, Thisbe by Francis Flute the Bellows Mender. The men are given their parts to study, and they agree to meet for a rehearsal in the woods outside Athens. Scene 2. Enter Quince the Carpenter, and Snug the Joiner, and Bottom the Weaver, and Flute the Bellows Mender, and Snout the Tinker, and Starveling the Tailor. Over here, over here, we're starting. Oh, yeah, my friend. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Is all our company here? Yes, we're here, yeah. Uh, You you are best to call them generally man by man according to the script. Here is the scroll of every man's name which is thought fit through all Athens to play in our interlude before the Duke and the Duchess on his wedding day at night. First, good Peter Quince, say what the play treats on, then read the names of the actors, and so 
grow to a point. Mary, our play is the most lamentable comedy and the most cruel death of Pyramus and Thisbe. Oh, a very good piece of work, I assure you. And a uh, merry. <laughs> now, good piece of quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, spread yourselves. Answer as I call you, Nick Bottom, the weaver. Ready. Name what part I am for and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. Hmm. What is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover that kills himself most gallant for love. Oh, 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 oh. Then, then that will ask some tears in the true performing of it. Oh, if I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms. I will condole in some measure to the rest that my chief humour is for a tyrant. I, I could play Urkley's rally, or part to tear a cat in to make all split. <clears throat> the raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates, and Phibus's car shall shine from far and make and mar the foolish fates. Oh, oh that was lofty. Now, name the rest of the players. This is Urkley's vein, a tyrant's vein. A lover is more condoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take Thisbe on you. What is Thisbe? A wandering knight? It is the lady that Pyramus must love. Oh, nay, face, let me not play a woman. I have a beard coming. Mm, that's all one. You shall play it in a mask and you shall speak as small as you will. I made my face. Let me play Thisbe too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Thisbe, Thisbe, Pyramus lover dear, thy Thisbe dear, and lady dear. No, no, you must play Pyramus and flute you Thisbe. Well, proceed. Robin Starveling, the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starveling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout, the tinker. Here, Peter Quince. You, Pyramus's father. Myself, Thisbe's father. Snug, the joiner. You, the lion's part. And I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let me play the lion too. I will roar that it will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the duke say, oh, let him roar again. Let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the duchess and the ladies that they would shriek. And that were enough to hang us all. That would hang us every mother's son. Well, I, I grant you, friends, if that you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But, 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 I will aggravate my voice so that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you as for any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus, for Pyramus is a sweet-faced man. A proper 
proper man as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely gentleman-like man. Therefore you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beard would I best play it in? Why, what you will. <laughs> oh, I will discharge it either in your, your straw-colored beard, your orange tawny beard, your purple in gray beard, or your French crown-colored beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no air at all, and then you will play barefaced. But, masters, here are your parts, and I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to calm them by tomorrow night. And meet me in the palace wood, a mile without the town, by moonlight. There we will rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. In the meantime, I will draw a bill of properties, such as our play wants. I pray you, fail me not. We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect. Adieu. At the Duke's Oak, we meet. Enough. Hold or cut both strings. If we offend, it is with our good will that you should think we come not to offend, but with good will to show our simple skill. That is the true beginning of our end. Consider then, we come but in despite. We do not come as minding to contest you. Who intent is? All for your delights. We are not here. That you should here repent you, the actors are at hand. And by their show you shall know that all you are like to know. Gentles, perchance you wonder at the show, but wander on till truth makes all things plain. This man is Pyramus, if you would know. This beauteous lady, Thisbe, is Satan. This man, with lime and rough cast, doth present war, that vile war which did these lovers sunder. And through walls chink, poor souls, they are content to whisper. At the which let no man wonder. This man with lantern, dog, and bush of thorn presenteth moonshine, for if you will know, by moonshine did these lovers think no scorn to meet at Ninus' tomb, they're there to woo. This grisly beast, which lionite by name, the trusty Thisbe, coming first by night, did scare away, or rather did affright. And as she fled, her mantle she did fall, which lion, vile, with bloody mouth did stain. Anon comes Pyramus, sweet youth and tall, and finds his trusty Thisbe's mantle slain, whereat with blade, with bloody, blameful blade, he bravely broached his boiling bloody breast. And Thisbe, tarrying in mulberry shade, his dagger drew and died. For all the rest, let lion, moonshine, wall, and lovers twain at large discourse, while ere they do remain. Exit Prologue, Thisbe, Lion, and Moonshine. In this same interlude it doth befall that I, 
one snout by name present a war. And such a war as I would have you think, that had in it a crannied hole or chink through which the lovers, Pyramus and Thisbe, did whisper often very secretly. This loam, this rough cast, and this stone doth show that I am that same wall. The truth is so. Enter Pyramus. O oh, grim, looked knight! O oh, knight with hue so black! O oh, knight which ever art when day is not! O oh, knight! O oh, knight! Alack, alack, alack! I fear my Thisbe's promise is forgot. And thou, O wall, O sweet, O lovely wall, thou standest between her father's ground and mine. Thou wall, O wall, O sweet and lovely wall, show me thy chink to blink through with mine eye. Wall holds up his finger. Thanks, courteous wall. Jove, shield us well for this. But, but, but what I see? No thisbe do I see. Oh, wicked wall, through whom I see no bliss. Curse be thy stones for thus deceiving me. Thisbe, thisbe, that's your cue. Oh, come on. Thisbe. <laughs> uh, deceiving me. Is Thisbe's cue? She is to enter now, and I am to spy her through the wall. You shall see it. It will fall pat as I told you. Yonder she comes. Enter Thisbe. Oh, oh, wall. Full often hast thou heard my moans. For parting my fair Pyramus and me, My cherry lips have often kissed thy stones, Thy stones with lime and hair knit up in thee. Oh, I see a voice, Now will I to the chink to spy, And I can hear my Thisbe's face. <gasps> Thisbe! My love thou art, my love, I think. Think what thou wilt, I am thy lover's grace, And like Lysander, am I trusty still? And I, like Helen, till the fates me kill. Oh, not shaftless to Procris was so true. As shaftless to Procris, I to you. Oh, kiss me through the whole of this vile wall. I kiss the walls whole, not your lips at all. Wilt thou at Ninny's tomb meet me straight away? Tide life, tide death, I come without delay. Exit Pyramus and Thisbe. Thus have I, War, my part discharged so, and being done, thus War away doth go. Exit. Enter Lion and Moonshine. <clears throat> you ladies, you, whose gentle hearts do fear the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on floor, may now perchance both quake and tremble here, when I in rough and wildest rage doth roar. Then know that I once snug the joiner, am a lion fell, nor else no lion's dam, 
For if I should as lion come in strife into this place, twere pity on my life. Uh, this lantern doth the horned moon present. Uh, this lantern doth the horned moon present. Um, my, myself, the man in the moon, do seem to be. Uh, all, all that I have to say is to tell you that the lantern is the moon. I, the man in the moon, this thorn bush, oh, my, my thorn bush, and uh, this dog, my dog. Enter Thisbe. This is old Ninny's tomb. Where is my love? <laughs> oh! Thisbe runs off. The lion shakes Thisbe's mantle and exits. Enter Pyramus. Sweet moon, I thank thee for thy sunny beams. Oh, I thank thee, moon, for shining now so bright. For by thy gracious, golden, glittering gleams, I trust to take of truest Thisbe sight. But stay, oh, oh, spite, but mark, poor knight, what dreadful dole is here, eyes? Do you see? How can it be? Oh, dainty duck, oh dear. Thy mantle good, what stained with blood. Approach ye furries fell. Oh, fates, come, come, cut thread and thrum. Quail, crush, conclude, and quell. Oh, wherefore nature didst thou lions frame? Since lion vile hath here deflowered, my dear, which is, no, 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 which was the fairest dame that lived, that loved, that liked, that looked with cheer. Come, tears, confound, out sword and wound of Papapyramus, I that left pap where heart doth hop. Stabs himself. Thus die I. Thus, thus, thus. Now I am dead. Now I am fled. My soul is in the sky. Tongue, lose thy light. Moon, take thy flight. Exit moonshine. Now die, 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 die. Dies. Asleep, my love? What, dead, my dove? O oh, Pyramus, arise! Speak, speak, quite dumb. Dead, dead, a tomb must cover thy sweet eyes. These my lips, this cherry nose. These yellow cowslip cheeks are gone, are gone. Lovers make mourn. His eyes were green as leeks. Oh, sisters three, come, come to me with hands as pale as milk. Lay them in gore since you have sure 
with shears his thread of silk. Tongue not a word, come trusty sword, come blade my breast imbrue. Stabs herself. Ah, and farewell friends, thus this be ends. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Dies. Moonshine and Lion are left to bury the dead. <laughs> and wall too. No, assure you, the wall is down that parted their fathers. Will it please you to see the epilogue, or to hear a burgomas dance between two of our company? No epilogue, I pray you, for your play needs no excuse, never excuse, for when the players are dead there needs none to be blamed. Mary, if he that writ it had played Pyramus and hanged himself in Disby's garter, it would have been a fine tragedy. And so it is, truly, and very notably discharged. But come, your burgomask. Let your epilogue alone. Date Sachet, your dating courage in a bottle. Let's learn how one of our founding fathers and founding mothers rediscovered their mojo with Date Sachet. Governor Bradford, I, your beloved second wife, do thank you for providing our guests with a bounteous meal. What a fitting way to give thanks to Providence for our good fortune on this cold fourth Thursday in November. Why, thank you, Mrs. Bradford. I think this be an event worthy of annual repetition, if I do say so myself. The meal seems to have had a restful effect on the children. They nap so sweetly. Now to tidy up the hearth. But nay, put that bird carcass aside, you pilgrim wench. Our guests are gone, our children abed, and we must make merry while we may, sweet Alice. Oh, Governor, are you suggesting a corporal union? Yes, young miss. Come, sit on my lap. I have something here for which you will surely give thanks. Oh, my goodness. It appears that date sachet is even more powerful than prayer. Date sachet. What saucy words you utter. And lest I forget, your sauce of cranberry was the perfect companion to that fine waterfowl. Mark me, wench. May that sauce and that bird be as inseparable as we. Mm. Oh, husband, I must confess, your physical urges are not your own. Date sachet has worked its charms. <sighs> Date sachet yet again? Odds Bodkin's wife, what be that? Well, it's it's more than an ointment, but less than a salve. Help me unbuckle these blasted shoes, woman. Of course, husband. Let's just say date sachet is something that helps a woman. Now, now, help me. Let me help you with that bodice. Oh, sir. Yes, date sachet is a wife's little secret that... And, and now your overskirt. Oh, first untie it there. Yes, date sachet is just the thing a woman needs to... Mama, may we have more yams? Oh, husband. Date sachet works fast, but we'll have to work faster. Date Sachet, the perfect side dish for love. Join us again for another entertaining episode of Faust in Wonderland. As always, 
tuned to FaustinWonderland.com for more enticing revelations about our devilish radio podcast productions. Contributing actors include Nolan Meekham, Celia Bresak, Peter MacArthur, Sue Trigg, Virginia Hoffman, with sound effects by Bill Chessman and direction by Ron Garrison. Company playwrights are Bill Chessman, Deborah Knox, and Joe Murphy. Commercials written by Ron Garrison, Celia Bresak, and Bill Chessman.